Podcast 50. Get out of town. And I've got a quote for you. Go on then. I think that space can produce a higher quality of life, better security, more economic wealth, and also fulfill our citizens' dreams and thirst for knowledge. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. That's a good one. Who said that? Well, well, Jamie, that was ESA's Director General when he was outlining the European Space Agency's mission in 2003. And that is Jean-Jacques Dordain. So, for Podcast 50, Jamie, where have we been? I mean, it's a big one, so it has to be special. But we've only, we only hopped over to Holland, didn't we, to the European Space Agency. Yeah, just cash. And we went to Tech. It was so exciting. It was. <laughs> Matt, how good a day did we have? We, I think we pretty much had one of the best days ever. We were like kids in the space candy store. We, <laughs> we certainly we? were. I, I, I have to say, it's definitely one of my favourite days of all time. Yeah, it's incredible. Amazing. What, a, what an absolute privilege to be there. And we, from the moment we walked into Tech, from Rebecca in the shop and all the yeah. other lovely ladies, we were treated like princes, weren't we? Princes of space. I'd say I was more of a prince and you were more of a king. No. That's nice of me, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I like to think of me as more of a baron. You were the prince and I was the baron. Yeah, you were the baron, definitely. I was the baron. Well, there we Matt, go. tell yes. people what we got up to because we, we did a lot in, in one day. We found our uh, little, um, what was it called? It was called Lunch Corner, wasn't it? Where we were That's going right. to interview all the astronauts that we managed to interview, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we had a little media room. Us. I mean, that's a, that's, I don't think we've ever been so professional. No. We had a little wander around, didn't we, in the, we uh, did. in the sort of main building. Because I was just trying to think what the name of that main building was. It's called the main building. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good uh, name for it. Yeah, and it, well, it's the technical library, in fact is there and it's, it's a really how weird a building is it it's like sort of really weird wooden hobbledy potch of a building i've never heard hobbledy potch before hobbledy I'm, pleased potch. I, well, I'm pleased i i'm alive to have heard it yeah it's <laughs> live on the interplanetary podcast yeah the interplanetary podcast putting, putting the, the ace, ace back in into space, space. And, and I feel we really did this week. We really did. We smashed it. I think that ESA should be way more famous than it is. I mean, if you went even round British people or maybe even French people and, or, mm. or whoever around Europe and said, you know, name a space agency, I think everyone would say NASA before saying ESA, wouldn't they? Well, they absolutely would. And after seeing what we saw, I mean, it is a mind-blowing building, isn't it? Oh, it is absolutely genius. But uh, yes, e- yes. so STEC, by the way, is the European Space Research and Technology Centre of ESA. Mm. And it's in Nordwijk in uh, the Netherlands. But there's plenty of others. There's lots of other uh, parts of ESA. So there's EAC, which is the Astronaut Centre, which is in Cologne in Germany. Uh-huh. And there's ESAC, which is in Villeneuve de, de la Canada in Madrid. Spain. Yes. I, sh- I said that in French accent when really I should have said oh, it in a Spanish one. Yeah, uh, we, we were with you. Thanks. And then we've got ESOC, 
the European Space Operations Center again in Darmstadt in Germany. Hmm. Uh, and then, but there is like a really, really brilliant one in uh, the, here in Oxfordshire in the United Kingdom called Exat, oh. which is the European Center for Space Applications and Te- Telecommunications. But it's also the home of ESA's Climate Office. And it's dedicated to space exploration and technology development. Why haven't we been there? I have no idea. And of course, the well, that cli- should be on the list. The climate office is po- is possibly one of the most important places on Earth right now because the one thing that we did hear is that ESA, in terms of its climate uh, technology and science output, mm. is the most important in the world. You know, it's more. It, it has more of a has more of an outreach than than NASA. So wow, yeah, it's, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? So well, we should totally, totally try and get down there. Totally. Well, the great thing is, we met the director of Eztec, Clang, Clang, <laughs> full of Clangs today. It's going to be, and so we're going to have an interview with him coming up in the show shortly. We've also in the show got an interview with Dirk Fremout. Possibly one of my most favourite people I've ever met. Who's just so lovely. He was literally one of the most lovely people. And, of course, in Belgium, he's a national treasure, uh, uh, like an absolute legend, and to the point that where there was Fremout mania. So It, it, it was a, yeah. the, one of the biggest cues I've seen in a long time to meet <laughs> yeah. an astronaut. Yeah, it was so amazing. That, yeah, it was amazing. Hundreds of people queuing up, and then... He, well, you know what he, we're going to do now, Matt? We're going to make him a national treasure globally, if I know our reach. How cool yeah, is that? exactly. Jamie, do you know how ESA was formed? Um, I don't, but what I'd like is for you to tell me. During the... Just after the war, Europe noticed that a lot of its scientists were kind of going and leaving to go to the United States and the Soviet Union to become rocket scientists, because, of Whoa. course, th- th- those are the places to go. Um, yeah, of course. And a lot of the scientists, prominent scientists at the time, were saying what we should do is set up an organisation that would be similar to CERN, the European Organisation for Nuclear Research, uh, uh-huh. but make it a sort of rocket one. Now, they, they did set up some um, organisations, one called ELDO and one called ESRO, so European Launch Development Organisation and the European Space Research Organisation. Nice. Those, those were happily sort of going along, and, and ESRO was actually uh, was the original partner of NASA when it came to Space Lab. Now, Space Lab is something that we'll probably hear a lot about because that is very much one of the sort of big European projects and a kind of precursor to the International Space Station. So Space Lab yes. sat inside the shuttle as a kind of... made the shuttle kind of into, into something like the International Space Station. So it was mm. it's a pretty cool thing. Um, and in 1975, those two uh, organisations basically merged to become ESA. That is sick. So it's only been no. going since 1975. It's really not that long. No, and its mission is to shape the development of Europe's space capability to the benefit of citizens of Europe and the world. What year were you born in, Matt? 1971. So I was... I, oh, was, I, I was. So you were four. So it's about the same age as me, and I kind of feel... Little Matt. Like, like me and Issa are, you know, uh, are linked in that way. <laughs> you are, yeah. So it's got 22 member states. A lot of people, I think, are worried about uh, Britain and, and Brexit and things like that and how it will affect our... Um, 
basically how it affects our relationship with Issa. But I mm. don't think it should. I think, you know, it's... I don't it's, think it should. No, I don't, and I don't think it will, because really, it's, it's outside of, it's outside of uh, the European Union anyway. It might make certain things a little bit tricky. But, you know, we try to keep politics out of space, don't yeah. we? Exactly. Well, Switzerland's Switzerland's part of uh, the European Space Agency and, of course, isn't part of the European Union. And Canada takes part in some uh, projects. There's Bulgaria, Cyprus, Malta and Latvia, Lithuania, Slovakia that are all waiting to sort of join up properly. Mm. Uh, And even Croatia. So, uh, you know, there's lots of people. But the, the main players are Austria, Belgium, Czech, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, United Kingdom. Goodness me. What a list. That's some heavyweights. That's, that's some heavyweight countries. But do you know how much we spend? Go on. So, ESA's budget is 5.75 billion euros. Which, which at the current exchange rate, as we were to discover, <laughs> yes. is about five point seven five billion pounds. <laughs> we didn't so get much depressing. for our euros, did we? No, it was actually very depressingly expensive. But I, yeah. I guess that's yeah, it's about five billion pounds, or put another way, about six billion dollars is my guess. Yes, if you're American, you'd be spending about four times as much as a European on space activities. Mm. A citizen of the United States of America pays about four times as much as a cinema ticket. We pay about a cinema ticket. But I tell you what, talking of investment, and I'm just going to go off topic slightly, Matt, but you brought up the word cinema, so don't blame me Mm. when I just say, please, everyone, go and see the new Blade Runner film. It's unbelievable. That's all I'm going to say, Matt. I know this isn't a review show. That's it, I'm done. What, What sort of things does ESA do, Jamie? Well, they do all kinds of things, but I mean, you know, where would you like to start? Uh, well, we could do with, well, International Space Station. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Now, one of the really exciting things that was at STEC was the Erasmus Centre. Yes. And uh, in the Erasmus Centre is a fully, a full mock-up of the Columbus module. That's right. So, yeah, the International Space Station has the Columbus module and, and no two connecting the module, is all part of the uh, commitment to the International Space Station, as is the European Astronaut Programme. Are we going to put some pictures of the day up on our blog? We certainly are. Lots of pictures are going to be up this week commemorating the 50th podcast and our trip to STEC. Absolutely, a double whammy. The three initial a- astronauts that were chosen by ESA included mm-hmm. Ulf Meerbold. Now, what was disappointing, although we saw Ulf Meerbold, he was the one person we managed not to catch up with uh, about the astronauts, wasn't he? But We just missed him, but uh, we did get everyone else. We did get, we, we've got a whole heap of ones coming up, which of course will form our Astronaut of the Week each week, so keep listening. Absolutely. So in fact, right now you should subscribe to the podcast Make sure that you've subscribed and left us a brilliant review and so you don't miss all the brilliant astronaut interviews we have coming up. Seven astronaut interviews. So Matt, that, if, 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 I, if I listened to this podcast and I really liked it, would you be okay with it if I, if I gave it five stars on iTunes and a really nice review? Would, you, would that be cool? I think that'd be really cool. And not only would it be really cool, you might be one of the lucky people that we then single out to send an interplanetary podcast mug yeah. to. Yeah. See, you think you were going to get nothing, didn't you? But you could get the Interplanetary Podcast mug. Think of it as a bribe. 
<laughs> yeah, it's basically a bribe. Yeah, it's, it's a bribe. Um, so when was the last time um, the European Union chose some astronauts? Was it 1998? No, 2009. Oh, that's okay. way off. <laughs> so 2009, yeah. In 2009, it chose its last bunch of astronauts. Who were they, Matt? I wonder if that was. I wonder if Tim Peake was part of that bunch. I reckon he must have been. But yeah, but then that wouldn't have taken him too long to get into space. I d- I'm not so sure. Someone will tell us. Um, so there's a few programs that ESA do. Copernicus is obviously Earth observation. ExoMars, mm-hmm. we all know about, and that's our that's the European Space Agency's trip to Mars. And Galileo is the GPS uh, system that they're putting up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the latest science mission that ESA are putting out is, and I love the name of this, is the Cosmic Vision Program. That is good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and that's um, just like NASA do with their Discovery and New Frontiers programs. ESA launched uh-huh. them through sort of competitive uh, bids for those kind of programs. So yeah. uh, that the Cosmic Vision takes over from where Horizon 2000 and Horizon 2000 Plus programs, which um, the programs that they launched were Huygens, which was, of course, the little probe that Cassini dropped down onto Titan, Rosetta... Yes which dropped Philae down onto a comet. Of course. And Gaia, which we spoke with Ben Brahm about a few weeks ago, that's mapping the solar system. We did. So they're just three huge missions right there. So, yeah, each space science mission is divided into sun and solar or astrophysics missions. What's ridiculous is when you look at the list of European Space Agency missions and programs it's pretty mm. goddamn huge like it <laughs> yeah. just it literally you go uh, oh this is ridiculous uh, it's insane you know and you could just look through just look through some of those that list and you go oh yeah i forgot about soho oh yeah xmm newton oh yeah herschel oh yeah planck telescope oh yeah lisa pathfinder oh yeah beppy colombo oh my god oh plato I, and you go i oh. definitely wouldn't be doing as many oh yes but I would be blown away still, Matt. Well, I mean, it just the, the list is absolutely unbelievable, let That's alone insane. their involvement with things like the James Webb Telescope and Hubble mm. Telescope and the Sentinel family of um, Earth observation satellites. So it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty massive. The list is absolutely huge. So eventually the podcast will have done a space mission and we'll have ta- probably talked about all of those. But always, you can go back and listen to our Cassini and our um, Rosetta special and our Gaia special. Don't be afraid to go back. So anyway, I think now would be a really good time to play Franco Ongaro's, uh, who is the director of Eztec. Roll the tape. Roll that tape. Okay, my name is Franco Ongaro, or Ongaro. Um... I'm the Director of Technology, Engineering and Quality for ESA, but I'm also the head of ESTEC, of the ESTEC Center, which is the European Space Research and Technology Center, the largest space technology center in Europe. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening today? What we have today, it's an open day, uh, which we do every year during the 
uh, week of science in the Netherlands. And we opened the site uh, to as many as we can host. So unfortunately, we cannot have more than 5,000 people on site at any one time. But uh, we usually close the registration at about 12,000, and normally we count on having eight to 9,000 people on site. I think it's very important uh, because what we do, we do it for the citizens. And it's important that the citizens see what we do for them. And I think touching reality is very important, especially with kids. Uh, that what we do here is real. Uh, I, I love science fiction, but it's good to be able to see the difference right. between one and the other. Um, and finally, uh, it gives a big boost to people like us. We are about 2,700 working here uh, normally, and there are 800 of my colleagues who spent the weekend preparing for this day. Um, and the reason we do it is when you've been in this business long enough, your family can bear to hear you speak about it. Yeah. Uh, so this is a day in which we can talk all day long about what we do and see people excited about it. So even for us, is recapturing the magic of working for ease and working in space. What is your <laughs> what project at the moment is Estec working on that you're most excited about? Uh, well, I think. Possibly the most exciting for me is ExoMars 2018, that is going back to Mars uh, with a rover, drilling underground, looking for traces of life or present or past. I think that's one of the most exciting. But we also have fantastic science missions coming up. We have Euclid. Uh, we don't know about 87% of the matter of the universe. It wouldn't be bad to gain a few percent of knowledge. Uh, we have Juice, who will go the tour of the icy moons. We have uh, Plato, who will try and see what discoverable, what habitable planets are around other stars. And of course, we just shipped out the last batch of the last of the first batch of Galileo, which, by the way, uh, it's our navigation system, and is performing 10% better than GPS at this moment. So we're very excited. All of the new phone have Galileo inside. Yeah. So it's it's very good. And we're, of course, already working on the next generation of that. We have uh, some very exciting work going on in telecommunications with uh, light uh, transmission, using light for telecommunications, uh, using quantum uh, encryption on orbit, using... Uh, uh, very advanced flexible satellites able to follow the market wherever it goes and of course we are uh, working on the current uh, generation of sentinels we call them sentinels because they're monitoring the state of the earth yeah. the climate uh, the sea and uh, we're working on the next batch looking at the polar caps uh, ESA is the largest provider of climate data from space in the world. So yeah. much of the Paris agreements was based on work that we do here. Right. So we are very excited. And, and of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, everything uh, that we send to space needs technology to work. No. And much of that technology doesn't even exist when we decide on the mission. Yeah. So we have... Uh, 
24 labs here with world-class capacities and experience because you can have a good tool but if nobody knows how to use it you don't go very far so and the experience to be able to uh, prepare these technologies which then European industry develops and we have uh, we're gifted with an excellent industry in Europe very efficient and when there are problems or troubleshooting they come back here and we help them out and that's how we get working finally we have our testing area all of the satellites of ESA come here get tested and then ship out to the launch base and right now although we can't see it today because uh, it can it's getting packaged, but we have Baby Colombo would go to Mercury wow, next yeah, year. Awesome. So we'll ship it off to Kuru around. Sad I, missed, sad I missed it before <laughs> packaging, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's another extremely exciting mission. Yeah. So, no, I think uh, we're keeping fairly busy, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one, so, la one last question is, uh, for people thinking of getting into the space industry, what, what's the one thing that they should really concentrate on? or Or is there a broad area of things no I think I think you have to think of uh, space as a place not as a discipline mm -hmm. so there isn't so much as of course if you're an aerospace engineer you get a system view of things etc but we need electric electronics we need physicists we need uh, astronomers we need we need every sort of uh, capability because we ship people up there we haven't we keep them alive we go to the depth of uh, uh, the universe and therefore whether you're an op uh, optical expert or an electronics expert or a material expert or a chemistry expert there's a place for you in this industry not only that I think we are, uh, we're working on even more exciting mission for the futures we had uh, we have an agreement with NASA on the asteroid impact mission. We couldn't get it financed last time, but we're still working on it. We probably will name it HERA now, hoping it'll attract more funding the second time around. But, for instance, protecting the Earth from uh, strikes from uh, asteroids seems to be a pretty worth thing to work yeah, on. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what we are also doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for your time, and I uh, hope the day, rest of the day goes well. Yeah, I hope so too, especially in the weather. Thanks a million. Thank you very bye much. Bye. Thank thanks you. so much. Nice Cheers. talking to you. Thank you. He's great, isn't he? I absolutely love Franco. He, he He's great. I know we didn't have long with him. We had five minutes, but he was really interesting. I'd love to speak to him again. Yeah, and he seemed very, very cool as well. He's one of those people yeah. that just oozes coolness. And he and he actually trained to be an astronaut himself. You know, he was actually. Did he really? Yeah, he was a candidate in the European astronaut selection of 1991. I think cool, Franco's a bit rock and roll. I think he, in fact, he may actually be too cool for space. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they just thought, that's we, true. We can't, if we send this guy, it, it's 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 ridiculous. Exactly. So we've got another interview coming straight up, Jamie what? Dirk, Dries, David, Damien, Viscount, Frymout. Unbelievable name. Born, born in 1941 in Belgium, and he's an astrophysicist for the European Space Agency. He really is. So he got an engineering degree in electrical engineering from Ghent in 1963, and then a PhD in applied physics in 1970. Not too shabby. And then went to Colorado Laboratory for atmospheric and space physics, which was uh, in, in Ezra, as an ESRO fellow. Uh, in 1971, so when I was born. Mm. So that's before the European Space Agency, but that ESRO coming up there. He flew up 
So this is his big one, of course. He flew up to NASA's space on a NASA space shuttle mission, STS-45, as the payload specialist. And at that point, he was the first Belgian ever in space. Very cool. You've got to be proud with that. <laughs> yeah. So who else was on board his flight, Jamie? Go on. Was Charles Bolden, who's, who was recently the director of NASA, uh, and like a, a mega, mega astronaut of extreme fame. And mm-hmm. Michael Foll, another oh, British yes. uh, superstar astronaut. And yeah. Mi- and Michael Foll, we, we managed to speak to later on in the day as well. So look out for that we interview. Did. Just casually drop that in. Casually drop them. Oh, Mike Foll in there. Uh, <laughs> one of my favourite one of my favourite facts about STS forty five, which was the Atlantis space shuttle, uh, yes. is that uh, the footage was used in Chucklevision's episode "Kidnapped." What? <laughs> well, Chuckle, now Chuckle they're famous. Vision. Yeah, I mean that's now he's famous. So it was so Space Lab. It was Space Lab that went up on that. So during the nine-day flight, the crew aboard Atlantis operated the 12 experiments that constituted the Atlas One, which is Atmospheric Laboratory for Applications and Science. Uh-huh. And so that looked at all the uh, lots of atmospheric, chemical and physical properties of the atmosphere. And it was massive in terms of the science that it garnered to, to help us understand climate and atmosphere. It's a good word, that garnered. When we talked about Michael Fole a few podcasts back... Uh, mm. Something I mentioned was the um, the artificial beam of electrons that was used to simulate, well, stimulate a man-made aurora. Whoa! So yeah, they blasted electrons into the atmosphere Sounds and made sexy. yeah, and made an aurora up in the upper atmosphere. I love that. There's virtually no footage of this thing. Matt, what band would have sung the song "Man-Made Aurora"? Um, well, I, I like its full title, "Man-Made Auroral Discharge." <laughs> which oh god I, which i who would have sung that yeah i'll tell you what listeners send us send us your messages with who what band in history would have sung that song yeah man-made a rural discharge i will accept frank zappa but now i've had that one you need to come up with a different one now you've had that yeah, yeah. you've you've claimed that yeah it's pretty accurate uh-huh. so by the time he'd finished that mission, he'd gone 3.2 million miles. That's 143 times round the Earth. That's pretty cool, isn't and it? And logged over 214 hours in space. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a long time. While he was up in space, Prince Philip of Belgium talked to him. But mm-hmm. his fame was so massive when he got back that he actually had a ticker tape parade in the streets of Belgium. How cool is that? God, that's... Awesome. Like the Beatles. He's massively famous. I think without any delay now, we should we should have a listen to this legend because we we've we've kind of rabbited on too much about it. Yeah, let's let him talk. Go Dirk. It's time for I'm Dirk Frimot, I'm Belgian. I was the first Belgian in space. That was in uh, 1992 with the mission Atlas One. That's a, a scientific mission. I have been selected as a, a payload specialist by NASA, so I'm a NASA astronaut. Uh, just uh, uh, because I was working and a scientist on space research, on atmospheric research, and that was the main subject of that uh, mission. So, uh, 
Uh, some, several experiments on board. I had contributed to it uh, before, but so uh, I have to be to take care of all the experiments on board. And so that is now after my flight, uh, I uh, have uh, given quite a lot of time to to promote space to sp- to to children to young people. I I think even that. Uh, is something that most of the astronauts feel when they come back from space. They see the enthusiasm from all these kids that I see, that I feel that it is a, a task that they have to uh, bring that to them, to what they have as a unique experience that they could, could uh, live and that they can bring them, that they, uh, uh, if you give this to, to the, uh, the children, you tell it to the children, you can motivate them for studies and for, uh, and you give them a dream, mm. a dream and so on. That if, you can, if they have that, then they, they will work better in school, I think, and, and, and try to fulfill the dream. We, we give the, 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 the example that if you have a dream and the, you have a little bit of uh, luck and you, you, you uh, work hard and you, you, you are committed to it, that finally you can realize your dream. Absolutely. Yeah? yeah, and if you can bring the mission to, to, mission to, to the uh, young people, that's important. Because now there are so many things that they uh, can uh, uh, be distracted, and they have a, uh, an idea, and then a year Nadine is something else, mm. and they lose their dream, and they have to persevere to to really do everything if they want to realize their dream. It's, it will never come from self. Get it back. That's really good uh, advice. Yeah. So one question I wanted to start with was of your amazing career as an astronaut, what was the one day that you look back on as your favorite day? Well, that is uh, very simple. That is the uh, 24th of March of uh, 1992. Uh-huh. And so when, when I went to space. Of course. Yes. That is, uh, it, it, it took me 20 years so uh, when I was a, a child, I was uh, 16 when uh, Sputnik was launched, and so that interested to me. But they didn't speak yet for, from astronauts. Mm. And so and it's only when they, um, the, the NASA started the, the shuttle and they were saying that they would take not only uh, test pilots uh, in space, but also scientists. Mm. And I, they gave this the criteria, and I thought that I could do all this, uh, fulfill this criteria. And then I said to myself, I said, look, uh, I want to do it. I think that I can do it. I will do everything to arrive there. Mm. And it took me 20 years, and at, and at the end, I was 51 years finally, and then that I, I, I was in space. Oh, hope for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, obviously, you're very associated with ESA. What is it that, what, how important is ESA? Very, very important. It's like here, this, this uh, technical center, there is a, a know-how unbelievable. So, that, so come here and work here. I worked 11 years here in, in Estec as well. It's a paradise. And so you, you have all the, the good scientists, the good uh, information and so on. So it is important for what they are doing. That, uh, and if you see the, the space uh, uh, research in in Europe, what we spent to uh, to space research is 
I think a seventh of what NASA is spending. So that is, and what we realize with this with this amount is, is very still important. Mm. So that is, uh, surely they 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 do good good work and they uh, uh, and they brought a lot to 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 the industry as well. Eh? So all this uh, uh, the quality control and so things mm. that uh, uh, they are coming from space finally. Eh? So. One specific that I always uh, mentioned that is uh, uh, quality control for for software. If we hadn't had space, uh, space, uh, we would never have had that the quality that we have now mm. because everybody has followed the rules that were uh, uh, imposed by by. That's by really interesting, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk in the press recently about whether we should be spending our money on going to the moon or whether we should be spending our money on Mars. Which do you think we should be focusing on, and which would you like to go to? Uh, uh, I we have to go to the moon first. That's mm. all. But the, I think that the, the uh, what of the the goal we should have would be go to, to Mars. Mm. But the moon the moon is a, a step that is necessary that we cannot first go. Step. And uh, uh, now there's a tendency in, the, in ESA that they want to, to say that the space village on the moon. Well, it's a good idea, but it is not the end. They should uh, try to, to already to say, yes, we, we will do that, but the, the, the purpose is going to, to Mars. Yeah. Because it's much more difficult to go to Mars. And if we just limit our, our sight to the moon, that are things that we we have already done of that we so if you want to go a step farther and further then you have to go to Mars mm. should, we, should we be setting a goal for Mars with a timeline yeah. a goal for Mars yeah. well what, what they did to go to the moon with uh, what Kennedy had said in 61 did, he was saying uh, he committed himself to go to the moon and bring them back in, in this delay of, of the, the, the end of the 60s yeah. and so uh, that has given a, a boom and an enthusiasm that they and, and they did it mm. they did it and so when in 61 when he was uh, saying well we, we, we commit ourselves to do it the, the NASA did not have one astronaut they had just Shepard who have given done, done mm. uh, uh, just uh, uh, orbital suborbital flight mm. so and there were so many things that they didn't know and they say, well, we can learn it to go to the moon. And they, that they did it. They have the, the Gemini uh, project that uh, where everything that they needed to go to the moon was, was studied. And so then they were ready to go to the moon. Mm. The, uh, it, it should be seen that way, that we go to the moon to, to do all the things that we have to learn to go to Mars, yeah. mm. so not limiting the, the, your ambition to the to, to moon, that is not what I, 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 yeah. I think is good. You have to look farther. For the, the Americans, it's, it's quite easy. They, they say, going to the moon, we did that 50 years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. A, and they cannot enthusiast the people for something that they could do already 50 years ago. Right. So they need a target that is better and that is more speaking to the people because they need 
the enthusiasm of the people to support it. Yes. And this, so and that is a good thing. And we should in Europe not forget that. That if we to the moon, we did go. The, the, the Americans went to it. Yeah. And it is a task that we surely can do with, uh, in Europe for the moment. But uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, going to Mars. Is another challenge. Maybe the moon should be our petrol station. That's where we fill up the, yeah, the rockets. Yeah, then we yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. But they, they have to to think on it now because otherwise we are will be on the moon. We will have the village, mm. and we have to start over again. All these problems that are specific to go to Mars. Yes. We should look, uh, uh, learn to le- try to learn that now in yes. this period. Absolutely agreed. It should. It, they must say it's not the end. We go to Mars. Yeah. What is your favourite space fact? A nice, simple space fact that that you can never really get your head round, or just mind blowing that you. Well, the, for me, uh, can, I can always say my flight time. That is that is yeah. something. But uh, yeah. out of my flight uh, is the landing on the moon. Yeah. That is. Exactly what I was saying. That's yeah. what the, they know. The, the 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 computers that they have at at, at that moment. This, uh, so compared to to what we have here for yeah. this, that's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And they did it. They went there and went back, came back, brought all their people back from the moon. That yeah. is fantastic. So that they could do we that. assume then that your biggest space hero was one of those crew members. Uh, all these crew members who have gone oh, to the, the, the moon, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I have the chance that uh, that is that is all that generation, the, the, the space that is uh, my generation. We, we I was 16 with Sputnik, but I have uh, been in life, seen life, yeah. everything what happened in space. Up Incredible, to I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. So, what's and the one piece of advice that you've been given throughout your career that you can that really stays with you? Well, that the guy advice that they may have given, I think it's something that they self advice that they give to myself. Don't give up. Right. Don't give up. Yeah. And because. Many people run around me when they, I was 51 when I went to space, and so uh, around me they uh, they say, "Don't forget that. Never get you are too old. That you're no more good to to do that." Right. And so, and I, my idea was as long as I uh, think that I have a chance to go, I continue with that. Absolutely. I go in that direction as long, and if. Uh, I cannot go in space for some of the other reason. I have n- nothing that I can say to myself. I, I did go because I didn't prove, no, uh, had no, enough effort for it. I did ever what I, everything what I could to go there. And so if it's not a real seat that you finally you cannot go, you, you have no. You, you live still in space with, with yourself. You cannot say, "Ah, if I had done that, I would have I been able to go." I regret. Yeah. No, no, no regret that you have. So, 
Well, we're glad you carried on because you're one of our heroes. So thank you very much yeah. for talking to us thank today. Thank you very much. That's all. Thanks all your six uh, oh, questions are, are that's yeah. it. All six have been done. Can I ask one little favour? I've got one friend who who comes from Belgium and he's uh, uh, he's an avid listener of the show. Can you just say hello to Dries for me? So I can just hello to Dries. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. Hello to Dries. He'll be yes. so yes. pleased with that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I will so be let them to, to, to meet him someday. He's so lovely. I want him to adopt me as, as a granddad. <laughs> or me adopt him as a granddad, vice versa. No, absolutely. There's just, when you meet someone and they're just instantly warm and and you go, this guy's just so lovely and warm. It's just like that, wasn't it? It really was. What? And on top of that happens to be a space god. <laughs> happens you know? to be a man of science and an astronaut that's what people are going to say about me in the future i reckon well i hope so jamie because your contribution to to both has been enormous well huge already <laughs> so yeah. i i've got I, I well this has been a nice long episode jamie and i think we should finish with an amazing space fact let's do it about ten thousand light years away in the constellation Aguila. There's a cloud of alcohol, a thousand times larger than our solar system. What? A cloud of alcohol? <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's enough to do 400 septillion pints. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say cloud of alcohol, yeah. could it rain down alcohol on us? Yeah, well, I mean, not just rain down alcohol. I said it was a thousand times larger than the solar system. That's 400 septillion. And just so you know what septillion, that's 400 million, 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 million pints of beer. Did you do that with your pinky touching your mouth? (laughs) As always, as always. (laughs) Well, that is a lot of cloud alcohol and cloud. Oh, Jamie, I should mention that I'm that I was a special guest on Specscast, which is I'm glad you said Specs S P E X Cast, which yes. is which is another podcast, and it's a very 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 good one. Please check it out. Yeah, no, Brilliant. absolutely. And I, I was a guest on theirs because they wanted to talk about Elon Musk's trip to Mars and the IAC. Now, I know we promised we'd probably talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about it because. We just don't have time on this episode. We just don't have time. We don't want to cram too much exciting stuff in. But all our friends across the podcasting world have taught uh, uh, really, really well about it, and they genuinely know their shizzle, it would seem. They really Uh, do. So every time I open my my mouth on Specscast, uh, (laughs) I basically uh, was thought I was being really authoritative, and then it turned out that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Uh, Well, you wait till they get me on. I'll I'll show them what facts (laughs) are, Matt. So, yeah, those guys, uh, thanks very much for having me on, and it was what a a pleasure to uh, be part of that and yeah, uh, nice one dudes nice one dudes and so uh i've yeah a shout out shout out to all the guys out there big up yourself and you can go listen to that on itunes of course uh it's Specscast. it's out there by rit space exploration huge just do it i feel quite emotional about it. it's the end of the 50th end of the I'll 50th what, podcast we now need to get to 100 don't we we do. Oh, I'll tell you what, Jamie. We we didn't even mention that we that we went into the loudest room in Europe. Oh, Matt, we haven't got time because I know how much you like to whack lyrical about this. 
<laughs> so, yeah. We should save it for next week. Yeah, we should. So, um, but we've given you a teaser of that. Look, look out for the pictures that I'm going to be slowly posting up on uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Well, guys, um, it's been emotional. So please listen again next week and uh, an astronaut interview every single week for the next seven weeks. That is ridiculous. It's epic. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.